Okay, now everything's. I don't know why they're different, but hmm. so you can hear me okay now. I can. I can. Okay, good. And you're coming through nice. Wonderful. <clears throat> so, how have things been, my friend? It's been a while since we last talked. It has been, and uh, yeah, life's life's pretty good. Can't can't really complain. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. actually. Um, I'm curious about the date, August 17th of last year. Does that have any significance for you? Uh, was that when we started doing these things? Or was it... Uh, uh, let me think. Well, let me ask you, why is that a significant date for you? <laughs> well, it, it wasn't until a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I started, uh, you know, I, I look at the statistics on my downloads, mm. you know, every once in a while, because it's interesting, you know. And I had a really odd statistic in there. August 17th was when we had our eighth conversation. Uh-huh. Okay. And for some reason, and my... And my uploads or my downloads have been going up, you know. So, I mean, it's that's, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, but four hundred of my la- of my last down actually four hundred and thirteen of my last thousand downloads were of that podcast. Podcast. Well, I can tell you exactly eight. what we were talking well, about then. Let me just uh, let me just bring up. Well, I'm just curious. Well, but I don't really care. Actually, <laughs> what I'm curious it. about Let's is see. why why the hell would I get 400 downloads of that one podcast? I'm thinking. Do you know? Did you say something on one of your things that triggered that, or was that some weird in information? Here and I uh, raises the. Uh, so that was recorded August 17th. Right. That's when you talk about you having the... Um, no. Well, again, I, that's not important, actually. I don't really care. But I'm just curious why it would be downloaded 400 times. That and you don't have any idea? An overview on Tom's writing. I'm just trying to think. Uh, there's nothing there that strikes me as being particularly... Hmm... It's probably, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you don't know, no, I mean, see, I was expecting you to go, oh, yeah, well, that's because I said something to somebody uh, about something and everybody went and downloaded that thing. So, But you don't, this is a, a mystery to you, then. You have no idea why I would get 400 downloads on that one podcast. Uh, is that the first time I mentioned my writing? Oh, I have no idea. I, I think it might be the first Listen, time I get, I get your downloads are, are good, steady things. Uh, you know, I usually get at least 10 or 20 <laughs> downloads. <laughs> it, well, you know, listen, I take I get. I'm happy when I get anything. Oh, man. It's amazing you know? that people are listening to us. Yeah, that, uh, listen, I wouldn't listen to this stuff. I don't you don't. You don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any time to listen to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> No. This is sub-Heron Stone quality discussion. <laughs> Featuring Heron Stone. Yeah, really. Anyway, like I say, it was just, I'm thinking maybe there was some internet malfunction or something. You know, like I say, I was actually expecting you to say, oh, that you knew exactly why everybody down. I think that's the first time talked about my writing. That's the only thing that, um... Yeah, but that was, you know, nine months ago, though, and so why... Last week, did 400 people download that one thing? It is very curious. 
It is very curious. There's been some strange Wikipedia uh, activity, and maybe, I don't know, I I can't keep up with Wikipedia in terms of these things, but... um, I can't keep up with anything in terms of anything. You know, just when I start to think I understand something, I know I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a strange one, but I think it's the first time that I've talked about my writing. And it's also uh, one of our extended drug discussions. Well, again, I don't think it has anything to do with anything we said. I don't think people – I mean, 400 downloads when I normally get – uh, like I say, when they first come out, I'll get between, we'll say, 10 and 30 downloads. And then after that, there's a sort of steady one or two a week, you know. And and that's what it's always been. And then all of a sudden, last week, 413 people decided to download uh, that podcast. And so I, that just made me really it curious. something to do with iTunes as well. I found iTunes... Yeah, but you don't put any, you don't really put any additional information in your feed. It's just name, basically. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't know, like I say, I was actually expecting you to be able to tell me. Is that the one where I, I think that might be one of them. We actually cut the audio from a section. Well, again, I don't think it has anything to do with the content. (laughs) I think I think there's some other explanation. Some somebody somewhere said something and it caught on in a group or something, or you know. But there had to, you know. I, I think it's something like that that it, somehow a bunch of people heard about something and went and listened to it. Mm. But or I'm thinking it's just simply a malfunction in uh, some web server somewhere that changed that put those numbers in there. Or maybe they really were downloaded by one person who screwed up something, you know, that it's just some technical flaw. Mm. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine why 14 or, I mean, 413 people, you know, it's just very strange. I mean, it's just such a, an, an anomaly that, like I say, I was really expecting you to explain it to me that you had done something. <laughs> you know, well, and that, as I say, there's various things going on currently with Wikipedia that make very little sense. Um, and it may have something to do with that because I'm having trouble actually tracking what's going on there currently. But I can't... I mean, that is probably the first one where I talk about my writing. That's the only yeah. thing that I could see in that, aside from... There's a section, but that doesn't explain anything. There's no, there's nothing you could tell me about what was in that talk mm. that would explain why last week 413 people downloaded it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you don't know, you don't know, and we can move on to whatever's but next. Would, but, so the the conclusion that you wanted me to say was, oh yes, during an episode of Model Rail Radio, I said. Go, I mean, go listen, go listen, listen, just play a little trick on Heron. <laughs> you know, I want everybody to go and tell all your friends and all go download TomBarbelay.8. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's a cubic number, and I'm sure there, I'm sure there are interesting... Ah, that would explain it. There you go. That's and, it. and it's yes. probably the, the numerological contents of the name Tom Barbelay and the 8 and everything. Eight, Look, oh no, here it is. Is August the August is the eighth month? If you add ah, the eighth together, month, it's eight. It's, it's all ah, well, coming together. Ah, now we understand. Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, thanks. Oh, I feel anymore. I feel much better now. Now that I understand <laughs> yes. this, good. Okay, well, let's move on. Okay. Okay. So, um, I 
I mean, it's been it's been a few weeks, and a number of things have gone, and I'm not really actually sure whether I've talked to you about some of these things or I haven't. So I'll start with. Listen, I'm never sure of any of that stuff. So <laughs> let's I'll start just with the things that I know I haven't talked to you about, unless you have another. Or, I mean, we could do it in you know. You give one, I give one, you give I don't one. care. Just listen. Let's just get on Two with it here. Two films I want to recommend here. I, ah. I found them both extraordinarily funny for different reasons. It's probably more a sense of my sense of humor than anything else. The first <laughs> is... Uh, they're both documentary. Well, in theory, they're both documentaries. The yeah. first is called Restrempo, which is spelled yeah. R-E-S... Restrempo. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. You've seen it. Go- oh, yeah, good. We can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I don't know. What's the other movie? Oh, uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Oh, and I've seen that, too. Ah, very good. So we have things to talk about. So, yeah, good. Okay, so let's go. So I've been been on an um, almost, um, I don't know how one would describe it. I've been on a quest, Heron, to Uh find the language monkeys. Because Uh I think... (laughs) Seems random. I never thought you'd have to look very far. <laughs> you see, the, your definition is so perfect. It's different than mine. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I mean, so, okay. So go on. So All right. I, I've been looking for people who would really benefit from high density exposure to your work. Uh huh. And the thing that caught me more than anything at every level was that you should put together a little booklet, probably only 16 pages at most, yeah. for the yeah. U.S. military. Ah, that's not a bad idea. No, you're absolutely right. No, listen, almost any group, it's really a marketing issue. Every human being can benefit from being able to think with fewer unconscious assumptions. Mm-hmm. There's no situation where that isn't beneficial. Cops would be another place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people in any kinds of extreme situations. Yeah, all well. Any the issue is marketing. It, it's making the case for them to see that uh, some of the language they use might not be helping them. Mm. I found to the point of actual laughing out loud humor. <laughs> Restrempo pushed. Uh, it, it just seemed surreal to me that these people had 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 clearly come from a place where the only way that they could deal with these circumstances was to fall back on a very tightly worded language narrative. Mm, yeah. And I thought oh, the thing yeah. that struck me in particular ah. was these were... Because when you say language monkey... And you talk about the notion of the narrative, the story inside the head, reinforcing yeah. the story inside the head, all yeah. these things, irrespective of whatever else is going on around them. Yeah, right. What's going on around them is just, uh, it, it, its job is to get bent into their story <laughs> <Exactly>. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't want to tell too much for folks who haven't seen the film and may want to go see the film, but the scene after they've killed the villagers... And then they bring in their, you know, their next highest in command to tell the villagers that it's really the villagers' fault that they've killed the villagers is something (laughs) which just struck me as... And the constant narrative associated with building a road. You know, this whole story of why they were there, that they constantly re-drummed in their head, that (laughs) these were the reasons that they were there, these were the reasons that they were there... And yes. the fact that they had no means of actually communicating with the the indigenous the people, yeah, Afghan yeah. folk. 
Yeah, yeah. And I thought this is this is this is a it's insane problem. It's insane. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's it's solely based around this notion of a, a strong, clearly heavily believed in language narrative. Which has got nothing to do with reality and is very much associated. Well, but that's how they keep the soldiers in exactly. line, though. I mean, that's they exactly don't want right. if people started thinking, then they'd be in big trouble. Well, you, you see, know? obviously, there's a kind of subversive <laughs> element with regards to you producing a booklet. But my feeling is that the, if if there are people that you can actually really heavily help, particularly because they are returning from these circumstances, and oh yeah, you have some you have some kinship with these people as well, fundamentally. This is something that I could see really strongly your, um, well, four and a bit stupidities, making yeah. a very powerful difference in terms of actually enabling people not only to deconstruct the reason that they can't um, deal with on many different levels the experiences that they've had, but also understanding how they got there through those experiences and perhaps deconstructing <laughs> a sense of responsibility yeah. associated with that. Well, if they were inclined to use the information that way, they certainly could do that. Of course, yeah, few people are inclined to do that. But you may be right. It's, to me, it seems like, like it's a marketing issue, mm. really. It's just about presenting it in a way that uh, people will get it. You know, you get it. Mm. I get it. And a growing number of people get it. But these are still fairly esoteric concepts yeah. for a lot of people. But I think mapping it onto very applied circumstances and very easy to understand circumstances if yeah. you have the basic information that you convey is something that I think could... I mean, my, my Well, that's relatively easy, though. See, I mean, really, you can take almost any situation and get somebody's story on it, and it doesn't take but about 30 seconds to see what their story is. You know? My understanding is that there are two and a half million people who have served in the modern U.S. military coming back from these circumstances mm -hmm. currently. So I can't... And this, when you talk about... You're seeing that as the market, is these ex-soldiers? Exactly. And I think basically oh. providing, providing information enables them to at least... You see, I see this in terms of a means of actually decompressing and coming to a greater understanding of... Oh, I see. Oh, because you're talking about like the post-traumatic exactly. stress disorder PTSD. stuff exactly. and all that. Ah, oh, God, that's a great... You know, that's really a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Like I say, that leaves me uh, sort so of speechless. I'll leave that with you. But yeah. yeah, please. That's a great I'm, idea. I'm constantly looking for yeah. the archetypical language monkey... For you to do, yeah. You know, well, it's not about language monkeys. I mean, but they're all language monkeys. Mm -hmm. But people in specific exactly. situations that could benefit from it. I mean, basically, it gets down to a marketable group. Mm. Somebody you can identify as a group and make up a story that they'll respond to. Yes. You know, and that that's that's a very interesting. I'm not quite sure what the what the pitch would be. Well, uh, I'm not sure either, but I think the pitch is probably the most carefully created part of this. I mean, there are two Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rest of the course it. is the same no matter who the hell I'm teaching. It's just, it's just the marketing that changes. Well, <laughs> the issue is whether this is something which is adopted or subversive. And I think that's really the question. Oh, oh that's... Oh, whether it's what? 
whether it's adopted, I formally adopted, it's something oh. that you could get formally adopted, or it is fundamentally subversive. Ah, well, I, I don't, it may be, there may be a way to do them both. <laughs> well, clearly. I mean, my, my feeling is if you get in the front door, you're also subversive. But it's, yeah, but, yeah, well, I'm a subversive yeah. ma- no matter what I do. Yes. I mean, that's, that's just sort of p- part of my job, so... Uh, so my issue is, see, that's, that's not my problem. The problem is looking legitimate and uh, acting like an adult. Hmm. <laughs> well, you have a good number of those credentials. So... No, I have no credentials at all. I've got a bachelor's degree in No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about looking legitimate <laughs> and acting like an adult. Uh, well, yeah, for people who are reasonable, yeah, but unfortunately it seems that the, the people who buy programs like this uh, don't, their idea of an adult and mine are quite different. <laughs> or so far, I mean, that's been my experience. Yeah, I don't get the sense, and certainly, I mean, the PTSD folk that I know actually are at UCLA. So I yeah. even have ins for you in terms of if you could get this together. Oh, that's, a, that's such a cool idea. It really is. They it, use, um, they use sense uh, reprogramming through taking them through VR experience. And so uh, these are, are, are these, these are people, uh, I mean, really uh, having serious problems with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, I mean, the, people who the, can't my, function my because of it or people who no, just... This continuum is a very externalized, softly, softly view. My sense of it is that basically there is no half-hearted PTSD. It's, it's all like that. I mean, true, there are some mm-hmm. that you know, ultimately they take their lives or even worse, take others' lives uh, yeah. as well. But or they're just miserable, yeah. you know, and depressed and fucked up yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think um, certainly I know people at uh, UCLA that uh, do this stuff professionally. And, they're and how looking... is it, wait, and tell me, how is it that you think Gendo would be applied to, to a person like that? Well, the first part is that the language and the way in which the language protects and nurtures and comforts is the thing that needs to be broken down. Because actually what the language also does is creates a narrative of justification or at least a something which is uh, retarding the kind of, uh, you know, multifaceted resolution that obviously needs to occur. Okay, so I, wait a minute. I want to I want to get this in some language that I can understand. Okay. I, I almost got that. Okay. So the idea, <laughs> make it the a idea, little simpler. The idea is that if you are in some valley somewhere, mowing down uh, villages that have lived there for literally thousands of years, through an implicit fear that strangely yeah. some of these villages occasionally shoot back at you, and yeah. your interaction is completely distant and associated with this view that you are actually doing humanitarian work by killing uh-huh. them. <laughs> and that when you go into these environments with weapons, that you can do humanitarian work. And that you're doing this for the love of your country and for freedom and because the people that are shooting at you... Okay, so, okay. so you're talking about because of multiple narratives here having to get woven together somehow is... Yes. So okay. I, and I, that the, yeah, okay, go ahead. So my... My vision associated with this initially, I haven't really thought through it as much uh, as I probably should have as well. No, no, this is great because now we get to make it up. (laughs) It's it's the idea that large portions of this, if not all the portions of it that put them in these positions, are completely based in language. They're not based in anything that can be realistically 
described by the circumstances. In fact, the expression on the villagers' faces when these people are talking to them, oh, through translators, yeah. obviously, yeah. gives a clear indication that really this thing is just so heavily language programmed that it is something that is really very distant. So, we, the beauty of Gendo is that you don't create an overarching, uh, you know, a social hierarchy kind of description associated with this. You are literally chiseling away at the what appears to be initially small words, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, that's the beauty, yeah. is that it's real simple exactly. to, to, to show them that the word the is just misplaced yes. a lot. So this is <laughs> where know, I think yeah, this is yeah. fundamentally subversive, yeah. but also a oh, way yeah. of actually breaking down yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah, that's why I've uh, quit talking about the fifth stupidity mm. to a large extent because the first, the, the fifth one is complex and really is like graduate school, mm. you know. And it to talk about that with the other four just muddies the waters. Certainly. The other four are so simple that any eight year old will understand them, and there will never be any question about any of them. Yes about whether it applies in this case or not. It's just real simple once you see it, uh, and that's the end of it. But, of course, the minute you start actually applying that, exactly, it, it's, the implications are deep. Yes. So, so the question is, how do you get people to actually apply it? That's been my problem over the years, is that it seems relatively easy. Well, I never had as good a thing to teach as you this. You see, this before. is the thing. I understand the whole notion of going and listening to the One Hour Plus podcast yeah. and you got to make a commitment and all this kind of stuff, and I do appreciate. Somebody that. sent. Listen, somebody took the trouble to edit those things for uh-huh. me. Sent me two versions, one of which is only forty minutes long. I haven't <laughs> listened to them yet, but uh, the minute I heard, I, I listened to the beginning of the forty-minute version, and I saw that he cut out the first like forty seconds of the broadcast, which yeah. was me saying, "I'm ready to," you know. And I thought, well, duh, of course that doesn't. We don't hurt anything by losing that. And then I, I realized immediately that yes I need to re-edit this thing and cut out everything that isn't essential mm. and my issue the issue of course is what is essential and what's not but clearly there's a whole bunch of stuff I could cut out that probably is easy to cut so yeah uh, you know, so I'm completely with you on this thing now yeah <laughs> no I think really it needs to be fr- I mean I do appreciate the um, not necessarily want to use the term hazing but they need to have some kind of um, pr- process with with a certain number of folk. If I can move exit to the exit through the gift shop aside a little here, because yeah. this fits in into an interesting kind of deconstruction that I've been doing over the past couple of weeks since we last spoke as well, uh, because I was contacted by a fellow who has some connection with Julian Assange in the UK. I think um, I don't want to use the term fanboy loosely, but he could just be a fanboy who stalks and photographs Julian yeah. Assange for the English countryside. <laughs> or he could be someone who's actually part of Assange's yeah. entourage. Yeah. Yeah. from Facebook. But anyway, so he yeah. contacted me and he said, what you need to do with this field of chaos thing is the, and my suspicion is that he probably contacted me through a Facebook ad, because I ran a Facebook ad very briefly associated with the Assange field of chaos link, which has now been pretty well established through an article that was written in an Australian newspaper, um, towards the end of last month, which just indicated that Assange was actually in a very small, like, three-paragraph section of Field of Chaos, which kind of made me feel at least that there might be some contemporary connection. But anyway, this fellow contacted me, and he said, why aren't you giving this book away just 
free. It's a PDF. Yeah. And I thought about that, and my initial reaction was, my whole life is free, <laughs> you know, but get, download every single Stone Ape, Biota, Model Rail, Radio, you know, all these things. And then I realised that the whole reason I'm putting out this book is so I could, the emotion that I described to you initially about within six hours of, of releasing it, having a woman email me with, you know, requesting a sequel. Yeah. The whole reason I'm putting this thing out is so I can actually talk to people about it and actually enjoy the work. <laughs> yes, something yeah. that I can yes. with. Yes. So I thought about Turn it into a podcast. Well, yeah, and I think I think that's doable as well, in fact. Yes. So, so the my thinking changed slightly. And this fellow I haven't actually been able to get a copy of the PDF too. <laughs> but what I've been doing, what I did last Friday night, which was just amazing was, um, and so for, for folks listening in who want a copy of the Field of Chaos in electronic form, at least, this is the other thing. People then emailed me after they got the free copies and said that they were then buying the paperback. Yeah, people are nuts. Exactly. So, <laughs> my, so what I did was, for folks who befriend me on Facebook, and I'll befriend anyone, Heron knows this as a, as a fact, um, on Friday nights, typically my time, and I may change the time, Anyone who messages me or strikes up a conversation, I send a copy uh, in PDF form to. And this created about um, 12 really interesting conversations. Oh, congratulations, man. That's great. And I think man. this is the way that I basically... Really? Yeah, That's I, wonderful. It, it works out. And the correspondence following and just the... Uh, the general level of warmth that it's created, I think, was very positive. I don't necessarily and, and it can only get better. I'm in. I'm into that. <laughs> you I'm know, so yeah, that was an interesting piece of uh, deconstruction, and I think um, yeah, certainly it's kind of reaffirmed aspects. I mean, it's not it's not anonymous download on a website. It's getting contact, and it was actually really quite interesting. For example, a fellow in. Um, Croatia contacted me, who had an eclectic musical group, including he basically had an internet-based musical group where he had various vocalists in the Netherlands and Russia sent him vocals, and then he mixed it all together. And he provided me, obviously as a Facebook page with all this music up, and he provided me with a list with the music up, and I was listening to that, and I was chatting with a wide variety of people, and people I hadn't communicated with for years, you know, and putting them in contact with other people that I knew and this kind of stuff. And it was very much um, in text chat form. It wasn't in any way talking. But it was just a wonderful experience. And my wife in the other room was like, what, what is going on? Why are you typing so furiously? You know? <laughs> and this went on for about three hours. And it was remarkably cathartic because what happened at the end of the three hours, because Field of Chaos isn't a huge work for folks listening in. It's something which is, I feel, quite accessible and could be read, read easily in an afternoon quite comfortably, if not just a couple of hours if you're a fast reader. It, I was able, by the end of the thing, to actually start getting feedback from people that had read it from the start of the interaction. So there was all this kind of building stuff that went through that, and I thought it was a, a positive uh, affirmation of this as a form. Um, so I think I'll continue to do that. I don't necessarily know whether I'll do it on Friday nights, because it is kind of time out of phase with a lot of other folk, but anyway, that, that worked out really well. Uh, and I think that goes back to something we were probably discussing. Oh, it's to do with the right format. And this is something that I've realised that... Um, you're right, there are probably a number of different formats for this thing. Uh, and adhering to a particular model is, uh, is probably the wrong way to go about it. 
But moving into another topic, I've been listening to your more recent podcasts, and I've been struck by how they're going in a very particular direction that you never initially wanted to take them in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's kind of, I'm almost... I guess. I guess. Did you see? Did you see the name? Did you see the name of of uh, the most recent one? Um, Pope, Pope Nerdo speaks. No, I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one. That must have come out today. I think, or maybe before I did my yeah, recent yeah, yeah. download. No, you're right. No, it's quite different. And uh, but I'm not abandoning the other one because uh, here we are. And this goes up too, and I still do one on one, but I have been doing a lot more. It, well, it's almost like class, mm. you know. And there it, were ones without you even being there. Uh, well, sometimes I leave uh, on afterwards. There shouldn't be anything. Uh, I mean, an entire cast with me, not me there. No, no, you did one recently. Oh, there was one. Oh, there was yeah. one. Yes, there was one. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was for me. I kind of got the sense that it was like Heron Stone avant-garde. I mean, it was just like in some different... No, it's just part of the process. Mm. I think uh, what's going... The conversation in that room is um, is sort of... Well, it's not sort of... It's, it, it is unique. Um, I, I don't know how to characterize it yet, but over the last year, I've attracted... A certain number of people, I mean, still, 80% of them, remember, are morons and language monkeys. Yes. But uh, 20% of them aren't. Mm. And in this room, I'd say it's maybe closer to, like, 40% are probably not, you know, not doing too bad. So, um, it's just, I'm just sort of viewing this as a sociologist now and trying to figure out how it is. That more than you know, because I know one on one works what mm. we're doing, you know. But it would be nice if you could figure out a way to have more than one on one and actually have it meaningful. Mm. I think the the thing that strikes me, particularly with the one where you weren't there. Was... Well, I haven't heard that one, so I'm not quite sure what. It... Oh, you haven't heard it. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't heard any of these things except for. The, I mean, and especially if I wasn't there. Mm. Well, anyway, tell me about it. The thing that struck me about that one was that um, there were various points where I caught myself thinking, why am I listening to this? <laughs> really? And it struck me <laughs> a in particular. question. When, when they started, there was a fellow there from Egypt. Gamo. Yeah. yeah. And people were talking about their interpretations of Egypt yeah. rather than letting him speak. Yeah, and yeah. It's well, those were the morons. The, yeah, yeah. I would, I would. Yeah, I, I think you're entirely. I mean, my initial thinking was that Heron has a posse, and this was just the the notion that was kind of going through that. But then I realised that I don't know. It's it's funny because the the quality of the one on ones, even though they covered the same kind of my number of them covered the same kind of spectrum, was. Something which is distinctly different. Oh, I should also. Oh, well, yeah. That's not. Yeah. Listen, one on one is a thing. What we're is what we're doing here right now is two people having a conversation. Well, I think ours are slightly different because we've had a conversation since well before August last year. So, I, mean, I have a rough indication that there are certain things that I can talk with you about that will actually develop yeah. into something yeah. interesting. Yeah, this is a unique situation yeah. that you and I have yeah. here. But one on one itself, I mean, it still is 
I mean, even a first time, like the one I did with uh, that Christy Bell. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that one? But someone else was there for that. Or did you do one? Well, yeah, well, no, Dave Roll was in the room, but he didn't say anything. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, I mean, he said a couple things here and there, but it was basically just a conversation between the two of us. Yeah. You know, so so I, I still love, like I say, it's, to me, it's like two different universes. When I'm doing a one-on-one, even with, even with you, mm-hmm. it's, you know, surprisingly, it's not that different. Well, maybe it is. I'm thinking I'm less free with you than I am with some, when I'm talking to somebody for a first time. I think that was probably... I mean, that's something of what I'm getting to, but I think also the... Um, I don't know. that You are right. They are completely different. And I guess my... My sense with them is that increasingly you are... It is, as I've described and... and characterized almost to instigate a response from you this notion of moving from a teacher to a cheerleader and i think increasingly no see i don't see it that no i see i know exactly what you're talking about but it it seems to me that i I, i'm moving from being a cheerleader to a teacher is the way i see it yes well that's interesting because it's the (laughs) i think but i've been a cheerleader for and i but there was no no there was nobody cheering to be mm. cheered to mm. and the thing is that lately i've begun to find people that my cheerleading uh re- that responded to mm. you know that, that there's a group of people a per- small percentage of people on the team speak server that are um my kin i guess you mm. could say people who are interested in these lines and and see it as part of their personal development mm. so i since we last spoke, I had, and this is the Tom Barbelay use of the term scene rather than the Heron Stone use of the term scene, but I have seen the most recent Zeitgeist movie. And, um, I don't know, I was a little flummoxed, I have to confess. Uh, it, it, I didn't feel it was in any way something for me. And I also found there were portions of it, well there were portions of it honestly that I just fast forwarded through and the little stylistic things really frustrated me with it, but I think the general (laughs) scope of it, like miking the people that they were interviewing I mean I think that very basic stylistic things, it made me realise that I was actually almost a documentary snob or not even a documentary snob but just I had various expectations when I saw something that, you know, and it was strange because I then thought to myself, I'm going to have to describe in at least one discussion with her and why I didn't think this film was, you know, something for me or had a particularly positive note to it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been able to actually distill that other than saying I don't think the film was for me. Yeah, well, I think that makes perfectly good sense. I think uh, it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's for it's for there are some people out there that will respond to it, and some that won't. And I think that's it's just there. It's like fishing. It's what I do in Teamspeak. True, but I think the thing that struck me in particular was um, you described it as something that I would get benefit from because of its attitude. Did, is that what I said? Yes, you did. And I think Ooh. it was... Like, you <laughs> said it would, it's basically distilling a number of ideas that I already have, but it has a change of attitude that you think would be positive. Huh. Okay. I'm not... I'm, I'm, again, a little flummoxed with regards to that as well. Well, I am, I am too, actually. <laughs> now, now that you say it, I, I, mean, I said that. Yes. I must have really been full of shit. 
<laughs> I wouldn't necessarily put it that way, but I, I, I mean, I think uh, maybe it's maybe it's more because of this kind of change of face, almost change of direction associated with getting this, you know, book out and think and working on the sequel and all this other stuff associated with that and thinking more about this idea of attitude versus information, which uh-huh. I think is something that I haven't really considered, although I'm constantly, for example, I mean, I'm recording more Biota podcasts now uh, because I think the feedback that I've received recently is that people, a, a minority, but still a group of people, found the benefit in the Biota podcast was giving what I would consider a similar kind of narrative to what we talk about here, but associated with a very specific topic. Yeah. And yeah. I think that um, made me realize that this was something that I'd certainly felt passionately about and have invested a large portion. Yeah, the of size of the group time. is not really exactly. relevant. Exactly. The, the issue thing, is having the conversation. Exactly. And I think also um, it's a sense that people, I mean, even this thing, people actually enjoy. On I like know it. Love it. <laughs> Go figure, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about this with Model Rail Radio as well. I mean, I constantly, because I have these kind of different points in... in, in well, that makes sense, though. Model Rail you've, Rail. You've been, is, you've been hanging out in Model Rail Radio occasionally. Well, I, yeah, I've been in there a couple times. Yeah. And I think the funny thing is that you, you your entry typically comes at a, like a lull point of like either extreme technical conversation or something. And then I realized that's actually probably a large portion. We had a fellow on after you were on the most recent one who um, I actually met here in Vegas. I went to the National Model Railroaders Association board meeting and recorded a, a probably an hour and 15 minutes worth of the board. And this very energised, probably, I think he's about, he's, he's in his um, early 40s, uh, who runs multiple model railroading businesses and is just quite, uh, quite an extreme character, came on the last one after you had left... Uh, and basically carried on for about two and a half hours doing what he does very well. And I've gotten really positive feedback from that because he just completely changed the energy of the, of the discussion. But, um, yeah, it's funny because my... For example, the, um, the Watson thing that you talked yeah. about last time we chatted. Um, I was talking to my wife about it this weekend. In fact, she raised it with me. And she said this really is, and she made the point that this was a distinction where if she didn't know me or have any interaction with me, her views would have been completely different. But she said this is more like a snuff film than it is like good television. <laughs> because I, I guess I just ooze, po- and this is something that strikes me, because you talk, you talk about... Um, you talk about, my mind's gone blank, you talk about that Singularity fellow as being uh, the fellow that birthed you or something. Was that the term that you used? Oh, uh, Kurzweil. Kurzweil. No, he, del- yeah. he delivered he the delivered baby. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> and I guess I would consider... Listen, that's an analogy that you can't push too far. I know, you know. exactly. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that I ooze post-singular sentiment. I do find it somewhat frustrating that I can't convey it to people I talk with occasionally. But in my wife's case, it's through relatively superficial interaction, never really discussing these things on a deep philosophical level, she came to the very good conclusion that this was really a snuff film of, of human intellect. 
And I think the the thing that I just it, I, it was it was puzzling to me that you were amazed by this, and yet somehow my wife through primary contact. No, I didn't me, say I don't. Th- what I don't believe I ever said I was amazed you, you were. by it. I, I think you used that term at least twice. In our well, I think maybe I. Okay, that's interesting, boy. Listen to how I think about things now as opposed to how I apparently spoke of them earlier. You were very much excited. Well, I'm, I, I, was, I'm, I was very happy to see those results. And, and, but I'm more interested in it as a sociological phenomenon. I mean, what, what, the technical side of it doesn't really interest me very much. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I know that's all there and people understand what they're doing. The, the team of people created that program and it does what it does, of course. But in the, in the public uh, psychology, I think it's, it's significant. I think it's a game changer subconsciously for a lot of people who may not even have thought about it very much, but who now know, you know, who know something that no other human beings ever knew before. And I think it's. I think it has profound implications. I just don't think I'm getting my message out well, Herod. I think this. What what it struck me is that, and I'm I'm going back on the, um, the Utah, uh, what is it, K Talk, but it's now being syndicated in LA and various other places as well. So you might actually be able to listen in live. Which ta- what talk it's is is K-talk, it? But the the program itself. Uh, is being syndicated that I appeared on last time and I'll be appearing on uh, shortly again. And I think I've just got to continue to appear on these kind of public outlet radio shows and make the point that irrespective of what goes on Jeopardy, the fact that the financial system is, you know, taking away people's basic livelihoods and ironically is also machine controlled and also uh, exudes, you know... um, vastly superior uh, uh, human stopping power at least um, should be or drones even you know even more marginal and uh, I think the the nature of the discussion associated with what induces wonder uh, in these circumstances I just I guess having that conversation with you I was a little bit flummoxed I couldn't really think of words to describe how out of probably the people I interacted with, I thought that, well, I guess you're right. This is an embodiment of something that you've been wanting to see in the public, you know, what have you, for quite a long time. I'm afraid that most human beings really are, at this point, probably at least 50 years behind what's actually going on. Mm. In their, in, because b- their emotional reactions, everything, are governed by stuff that happened to them before they were eight years old. Mm. And, so irrespective uh, of whether they're in the homeless shelter, the fact that they're actually watching the, the computer beat the humans on Jeopardy will give them an indication that perhaps the, uh, the machines have come of age. No, I'm not making quite such a simple... I'm just suggesting that it, it um, changes their perceptions of the universe they live in. In, 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 I think, fundamental ways that, that might have repercussions in other ways they think and behave. Hmm. Hmm. I could be wrong. Hell, I could be crazy. So the thing that interested me about this interaction was that what I'm trying to do in terms of recording podcasts and going on 
talk radio and all these other kind of things is to make a point that basically Kurzweil et al. are so fundamentally behind in terms of every aspect of their understanding. And you're right, a majority of humans are even behind that. But there are certain things and certain ways of thinking where there almost needs to be a kind of revelation moment. And I guess my concern with regards to the framing of this, and this came through your talk session, this came through listening to public radio. My wife still listens to public radio in the car, so I'm subjected to it. On, on <laughs> where people actually say, when computers, are, you know, when computers are able to think in 20 or 25 years' time, and all this kind of nonsense narrative associated with framing the way in which, you know, these the vastly complex systems interact with humanity and all these kind of comforting things. And I really do feel that uh, a large part of the kind of personal narrative is almost like a, an now, intellectual pacifier. Well, that's that has nothing to do with Kurzweil. That has to do with language monkeys who use uh, reasonable theories to, you know, to but he suck on the books with the graphs. Well, uh, of course he does. But like I say, the way they, uh, the way he's not responsible for the fact that. N- listen, what do I always say? Ninety-eight percent of people are unconscious language monkeys. Just because they're unconscious uh, singularians doesn't mean shit. You know, most of them are a bunch of followers who believe that Ray Kurzweil is God or something or other, or who knows what they believe. Yeah. Or at least at the margins, or increasingly moving towards the center, which is what I find particularly curious. Hopefully. But again, the ideas that he talks about are what I'm interested in, not... Well, I'm also interested in people's reactions to them, but I'm certainly not advocating that people... (laughs) act like you're suggesting or showing. I mean, that some people do, yeah. But I guess my point is that basically even his ideas are kind of circa mid-80s science fiction ideas, and we are in fact existing now in something which is distinctly more perverse and vastly more modern than even the likes of uh, Kurzweil project. Well, then he's certainly... You know, I suspect... um, what he writes and what he actually thinks. I'd love to sit down and spend a, you know, like a weekend talking with Apparently him with really drugs. Painful. I mean, oh yes, you need the drugs, but he'll never take yeah. them. That's the thing. I mean, the accounts that I have of people that have met him and spent time is that he's extremely, he's, um, he's like, uh, what's that Hughes fellow? Howard Hughes. Howard yeah. Hughes yeah. He doesn't, he's, 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 he's like me raised to the nth power. <laughs> I don't like humans. I think he likes them even less. Yes, and, you know, he he basically ordered washed lettuce and produced his own handmade salad dressing and ate it very hurriedly. Yeah, listen, I don't care about... See, all that personal shit is of no concern to me. And that's why, in fact, I just saw the movie, uh, you know, that documentary they made about him last night, I guess it was. He made about himself. Well, he hired somebody to, you know, anyway. He made the movie about himself. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how it came about. I that sounds reasonable. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I accept it. There's no. Yeah. You don't need to. In fact, to... he fired the first three people who were supposed to be making the film. Okay. So then, then he's totally responsible uh, for the, the all the bullshit about his father. <laughs> I don't understand. I, well, actually, the movie I thought was stupid. Well, not stupid. I thought the ideas were good, but all the bullshit about his father and all the you know, stuff is of no interest to me at all. 
Well, that's you know, I don't interesting because I think the, the, the point about it was that it became such a kind of spiraling in um, his own psychology, basically, in terms of the whole... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very curious. I, yeah, so well, then tell me the history about it. So he's hired several directors to yes. make this yes. and gotten rid of them until yes. he finally found a guy who would make it the way well, he wanted it made. The nature it- of his inner circle is that most of the people he pays really don't like him that much anymore. And yeah. I know this through... You know, well, I, listen, again, I don't really give a shit about that stuff. I'm much more interested in, you know, yeah, personality. I don't know. Who cares? So this is the, yeah, right, as well as the, the unassuming bikini of the conversation once again, that if he is the, yeah, okay. Um, I guess moving right along from this. Um, so what do we have left? I think I've, oh, exit through the gift shop. So this ah. is the last, uh, the last piece of my notes because we've gone... What did you think of the film? Uh, it was okay. Yeah, my barely okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess from your perspective, um, you see, I think the the thing that struck me was that it was so heavily created, and it was it was heavy handed to the point where it was relatively obvious early on. Well, every film is. I mean, no matter what, you know, you, there's always a, there's an editor and a cameraman. You're right. And, uh, there's a that, producer you know, and there's a person that yeah, puts up the money yeah, and all these kind of you know, things. And, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, you're right. So is, I just, I go into a film, you know, so, yeah, what can you say? But, well, <laughs> this is the thing, because it, it had the facade, at least initially, or... With no expectation, aside from the fact that I'd read an article about the uh, Simpsons intro and downloaded the Simpsons intro and watched that a few times that this Banksy fellow had created. But the thing that struck me about it was I felt at the end that I had just been pranked. And I kind of knew that (laughs) going through. I knew that I was being pranked going through. And then at the end... Well, but we're always... Every movie is a prank. Mm. What movie isn't a prank? We're always, I mean, there isn't any other condition but being pranked if you're in a movie or watching one. That's a very good point, and that's also something that I've thought about with it. That really, all it was was just a... Just what it was. Well, the thing thing that I found with it is it made me realize that it was really playing to my own (laughs) sympathies in these circumstances. Uh It gave me the kind of stronger pranked feeling because I realized (laughs) that this film was ultimately playing on a whole lot of bourgeois nonsense that only existed within my head. And this is actually the point where I started laughing almost uncontrollably. (laughs) And my wife looked down and said, this is not a comedy film. You've already laughed at that (laughs) Afghan war documentary. Why are you laughing at this film? So, um, yes, once again, the the other uh, portrayed even more so uh, what I was feeling. Um, Mm. But no, I thought it was um, very, very funny but purely through the fact that I was really fundamentally laughing at myself. Uh, and I thought that was a very strange emotion to kind of deconstruct, but it had, it had all those elements that I guess I get from um, the fellow who produced, what, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and such, yeah. that kind of... And there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of British humour, which ultimately is making fun of Americans, French people, and even occasionally British people. 
that I thought really <laughs> kind of rounded out that film. So obviously from your perspective, um, since Southern California elements, these kind of things, I could see why it would have been a marginal film for you. But from my perspective, ultimately, it just made me realise that I've still got a lot of stuff to uh, to deconstruct and explore. <laughs> well, don't we all? Yes. <laughs> but that in and of itself was actually a, a point of... Oh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, before you didn't think you did? I did, but no, this is the thing. The point about it was that it, it enabled me to actually experience that deconstruction in a way that I could never imagine sitting in front of a film and watching it to the end, and actually, as you described, this kind of sense of self-disgust, then actually making me realise yeah. that, you know, this whole thing... Oh, well, congratulations. So that's great. That's an important... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important film for you. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. Damn, congratulations so, then. Yeah. yeah, it's a film that I'm actually probably going to buy on DVD just to have, very similar to um, the uh, Wonderland film that I described. Yeah. Because I, it, I found myself having emotions in a deconstruction that I couldn't understand. I can understand it with Exit Through the Gift Shop because um, really it was a film that... Uh, about halfway through, I could start seeing that it was actually playing to all the things that I, you know, I was doing a deconstruction, basically, through the through yeah. watching the film. Um, and in contrast to things like The Social Network, which have also played on me, but for completely different reasons, um, it was an interesting... Yeah, it was interesting. yeah it's funny, because that movie just didn't touch me on any level at all. I, it's just been, beyond me that people that that was you know considered for an Academy Award. Well, let me or summarize that. it for me because for yeah. all that superficial stuff, meaningless. What summarized it for me, which I think I described in our last discussion, was having been in numerous startups where, as the person who was putting in the sweat equity, you came to a realization point that you were going to get screwed for typically everything that you had. <laughs> Actually, seeing the reverse occur in film form. And also seeing that basically someone who was going through, because, I mean, towards the end of my period in the Bay Area, I was being threatened by multiple, you know, litigations from middle-aged men, as opposed to, you know, friends, who thought that they could extract millions of dollars out of me for stuff that they had never really invested into. And there was all this kind of very curious dissection of, of my existence. But it was basically the same emotion. And yeah. to see the film, and to, even though it was very poorly and heavy-handedly done, and as you describe, you know, not something that you got particularly into, but to see the film actually... And this is the interesting thing, because my wife is occasionally through various... It was good for my wife as well, because she got a sense that sweat equity will always have a value to me that is almost immoral. It's not something which has any... Uh, ethical connection, if someone has invested vast quantities of their life into something, I will give them various ethical shortcuts associated with that based on the based on the efforts that they've put in. And it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting kind of, uh, not necessarily brotherhood, but it's a connection that only comes through having circumstances where you have typically early in life, early in life being you know, late teens, early twenties, worked unbelievably hard, almost blindly with a vision of something occurring, and then either seeing that taken away from you or seeing some nonsense basically obscure the end goal. Yeah. And that's what I saw in that film, fundamentally. And basically, uh, okay. Zuckerberg just giving all these 
idiots who really, from my perspective, had no had no claim to anything aside from the fact that they had money and could hire lawyers. And he was just fundamentally giving them the finger. And I thought that was the, <laughs> that was the thing that really, wow. really resided yeah. with me with that. Film. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that's a, a, a perspective I hadn't even considered. So that's very interesting. <laughs> so we are now in the time where I am, I'm done with my notes and we could just freestyle. The topic you started with um, about the twist that has occurred in the last couple of weeks, you know, in the way things operate in the Earthling realm. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd be interested in hearing uh, more of your impressions or think, thoughts um, about that. Th- there's, a certain, there's a lack of focus which has come in recently. And I found that first when you appeared on the Z show was that basically I think you got maybe one and a half ideas out in that entire thing. And oh, yeah. Well, listen, let me stop you there because you're right. Listen, and that's why that's why one on one is different. You can't really have a focused conversation with three people. Clearly, but you can also I, look, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but there are ways in which you can get ideas out in a conversation that has multiple people and i think my sense with the z show in particular was that you were you see i mean listen those are not professional uh, interviewers those are people i know they're friends they're uh people in the zeitgeist movement mm-hmm. with no you know experience so, of program instruction no, so. i'm not, I'm not yeah. okay. my criticism is not with regards to them here specifically I think there are ways to get into those environments where you know that you have a limited time, but you need to convey a certain number of ah, ideas. Ah, okay. And, ah, and I, I didn't approach it that no, way. That was my feeling. Did yeah, you no, I, you're right. I didn't. I went there uh, and shot from the hip. Yeah. And, I think yeah. The, and you're right. Ah, thank you, because maybe if I get an opportunity to be like that again, um, an opportunity again. Did I hear that right? Aaron, you're riffing with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This has gone into jazz music. Yes. Jazz music. So um, I guess, so that was, that was, um, you're asking me a series of questions here in a single question. So let's, so I've given you the Z show. Um, I guess my, we have very different means of approaching these kind of, I mean, obviously we're not giving the same kind of information, but when I, into these circumstances, um, I don't know. It's it's one of these funny things. I mean, the, the deconstruction that I give associated with giving away field of chaos is the idea that I want to have an experience with humans right. that I don't normally get. Ah, my and that's why you know I, when I go out anyway, my intention is never to get information across. Mm. That is not my my idea. I'm there to say things. That will provoke somebody to think. I agree. But that... To provoke someone to think is, I guess, allowing them to cultivate the information that you want to present anyway. Well, or maybe not. Maybe just to think about something that they hadn't thought about before. So moving from the Z show, the yeah. there seems to be a common... Thread, and I don't know if this is the 80%, but 
But certainly a majority of the folk who were part of... Um, I'm trying to think of the fellow who... And I did give this fellow a copy of Field of Curse. He emailed me uh, Benjamin Walker. Yeah. So there's an archetype here. And I don't know whether Benjamin Walker... Benjamin Walker actually founded you independent of TeamSpeak. He came through uh, the Sea Realm and having KMO on uh, Stone Ape. And then he started listening to the Stone Ape. And then he started listening to you. But I think there's an archetype here of... Uh, males typically in their late 20s, maybe slightly earlier, maybe slightly later, that feel disaffected, isolated in some regard, uh, believe that they are social outcasts, and at mm. that point also feel that they have... They also clearly have a certain amount of time on their hands. They have what they believe to be relatively unique opinions, and they come together through these kind of environments. And I think the geographic components within this demographic are, well, there seems to be a generally American view associated with this, although uh, you have a number of folk outside of that, so it's not a, it's yeah. probably just a near uh, majority. And I think all these people create... Um, you see, the difficulty is that I, I hear them occasionally and I remind myself, oh, this is the person who, um, you know, takes the free man view or, oh, this is the person yeah. and I, they kind of recur. But there is an overarching theme associated with them, which ultimately is that they have some, they feel that they have some of the pieces that they need. Yeah. They feel that they're also missing a number of the pieces and that is really what brings them into Earthling. And that, and anyone who can admit that there that they have missing pieces strikes me as a person of gold. <laughs> you know, most people are so busy protecting their image that they've got their shit together hmm. that they have that they've convinced themselves. And again, this is my impression uh, from what I've seen at, of most South Californians. Hmm. Again, you may hang around different people than I seem to, to mm. be around. You probably have a better class of friends, I guess. Well, you make this assertion, but I think you make this assertion tongue-in-cheek. Well, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you I, clearly I, make this I know. I, from I, ignorance. I, I mean, you, you don't have any, aside from perhaps, I mean, even the people that I communicate with online electronically are not the people I associate with. Well, that's why. Actually, I don't associate with people. Certainly. You know, I mean, so that's no, really it. about what you assume of my existence yeah. versus... Well, I don't know. I'm assuming that, that you, yeah, you're right. And I don't, and I really have no right to make any assumptions yeah. at all since I don't know, <laughs> have any idea what you I mean, actually... I put to you that I may even be, because I even don't go and sit in a Starbucks, maybe even be more yeah. of an extreme hermit than you are. Yeah. Well, again, being a hermit uh, has nothing to do. Well, it, you know, I mean, it doesn't make any difference where you live or where you spend your time. <laughs> it's you an know, attitude. The state of mind. Anyway, moving from this. So, um, I guess my sense from these kind of interactions is that clearly you feel a kinship and a nurturing for this group of predominantly men. But. The there seems to be a kind of I don't know it's it's I get the impression almost of like creatures chasing their tails in some regard and then chasing the others' tails and these kind of things. There don't seem to be kind of resolving <laughs> narratives through this as I listen to it. No, well, no, I don't see there being a, no. There's certainly no resolutions of anything going on in there. 
And no, the thing that absolutely. strikes me even more is that um, when you are not there, it really almost focuses this uh, kind of spiralling, you know, movement to the point where um, do you, uh, you need to go back and listen to the one where you're not there, I think. I think. Well, do you have to tell me which one? Because I don't remember okay. exactly well, which one. But you it's can, clear yeah. because it says without Heron or something. Oh, okay. All right, that one. All right. Yeah, because I, yeah, all right. And Jesus, I guess, I, I, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to go back I, I and listen. You're not. I'm not <laughs> but I might. I might. You never can tell. The thing that strikes me from that is that the need to be heard is greater than the need to listen. Oh, that's certainly true for most people. And that was true. Yeah. But how do you actually break that? Oh, not even break. Well, that, no, well, you do it by allowing them to get it out of their system. But in it's a place. Ongoing. I mean, I think the thing is, oh, it just can take quite a while. It day. can take a long time. Because firstly, when people that are that's why I'm not there because I can't stand. If exactly. I was there, yeah. I wouldn't put yeah. up with that. But I guess my point <laughs> is that these, the sense of finally being heard, is oftentimes. I mean, I. Uh, I don't know. I think the, the, the tone of... I think it's your, very complex. Mm, the you tone know? of your recent podcasts... Is, and it's funny because when you, when you have solo conversations, there is an interaction that is going on. It's almost like two or multiple tones. But it, there seems to be somewhat of a din associated with more people there. And I think if... It's not even if you could frame topics... No, there aren't. No, there isn't any topic. There isn't. It's, it's all, actually the closest thing, and this is why it disturbs me, because the closest thing that I can see is something like the concept in Buddhism of darshan, where the students gather with the teacher and uh, are in his presence. <laughs> well, and, your question and, is associated with how long have you been an outcast? When did you first realize you're an outcast? And then, yeah where that goes from and your excitement associated with people actually acknowledging ah, and constructing yeah. the point where they've oh, yeah. outcast and all this yeah. kind of thing. Oh, good, um, good, yeah, right. These kind of familiar themes through that. Ah, yeah. If you ah, because, yeah, I mean, I want to be encouraging about that because um, I think people need encouragement about that. I know I could have used it. Certainly. Uh, well, yeah, I think this is, the, this is the comic book convention idea that when people turn up and realize that there are actually others like them. They're not alone. They're yeah, not there, alone. Are exactly. people there are here. people here. So. Yeah, and I didn't know that until I was like in my 40s. Yeah. Oh, I, I, knew guess, I, I knew there were. I mean, I knew there were. There were people whose books I was reading, certainly. but I didn't know anybody I could talk to. Yeah, I guess my sense of this is that this is your, I've not spent much time deconstructing this in, in any real sense, aside from the fact that I, do occasionally reach a kind of critical mass associated with the discussions and have to either turn off my uh, iPhone or, you know, yeah. find another podcast to listen to. Um, and I think the... It's not even the notion of resolution. <laughs> it's just... Listen, I don't listen to any of these things. I don't know why you do either. I don't know why anybody does. Well, <laughs> my headphones have fallen off, so I can't even hear you. Uh, okay, okay. okay. Back, re reassemble. Um, so, I listen to them because ultimately there have been some really good ones. Yeah, and there, those are probably the one on ones, I would you, bet. You've, yes, and you've reached yeah. this. You see, I realized very early on with The Simpsons, funnily enough, when I was in my late, mid to late teens, 
that I would watch The Simpsons based on the fact that one out of about... Well, it was the ratio I found, because I actually tallied it up, <laughs> was about 29% of them were absolutely amazing. And that frequency wow. was That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Watching. Now, wow. I haven't done the same tallying with your recordings. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. My feeling is that there is some criticality now. The ratio has gone down it recently. Has, it has. And I oh, I, the, yeah, I think you're right. But I think it's a different... You're right. I'm doing a different thing. I mean, well, I'm not doing a different thing. I'm doing I'm doing the same thing with you here. What's the purpose of actually recording these things and putting them out? Ah, ah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Well, I no, because I think there may be other people who who might want to be in that conversation. Well, that's interesting. I mean, this is the interesting. Okay, maybe I should label these then. Because of the kind of pathology elements in Exit Through the Gift Shop. I mean, the, the notion that, as described, although this may be part of the prank, that there's just a fellow that likes documenting everything. And I thought about this very intimately <laughs> with regards to my own podcasts and my own recordings. There's a certain element of pathology associated with putting out these recordings. I don't know whether I've deconstructed it recently or whether... And that's the thing that interests me about whether there is benefit in... And whether people are actually getting benefit from it. Certainly from my own personal... Or from my own perspective, I don't feel I'm getting benefit from listening to those group discussions. I can can agree with you completely, and you probably shouldn't, and I probably should um, at least label them. Hmm. The other thing is, do you get the sense that people who participate in those discussions are actually listening to your recordings? Oh, I don't really care. Because I'm there to talk to those people. Hmm. Yeah, I guess... Why would they? No, I I can't imagine why they'd bother listening to it unless they were curious as to what they sounded like or something. You know, know, for whatever reason they might have, but I don't really give a shit. It is interesting because there are certain people that I record... In podcast form, that never listen to any of the podcasts. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. This is something to think about, Aaron. I, I can't deconstruct this currently. I think I mm-hmm. need to take this away and have a think about it. About what? What's the subject? The subject is... Why are... Well, why are you, well, why are you releasing all these recordings for start? <laughs> because I can't decide. I don't want to take the time to decide what's yeah, good, and what's exactly. worthwhile, and what's not. Which is the antithesis in some regard of Stone Ape, because Stone Ape is exactly about. Oh yeah, because you actually take the time to listen yeah, to it and edit and, 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 and what's in there and everything. Yeah, it, it, they're doing two entirely different things. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just for me. It's the event itself. It's this the, what you and I are doing right now. That's why oh, I'm here. Clearly, and and it's the same when I'm in the room with those guys. Hmm. You get the fact that it gets recorded is just um, you know one of those nice technological add-ons. You know. Yeah, I'm going to have to have a think about this, Aaron. I don't think this is something that will. Uh We'll conclude this evening. Well, no, I'm, I think you're quite right that I probably ought to label those because, or, or, or what I'll probably do is label one-on-ones mm. or make it really clear when it's a one-on-one mm. and make it a clear distinction between doing one-on-ones and uh, having an open room where we just talk about whatever's on people's minds. I guess my feeling is broadly that, as we initially discussed, if this thing 
is something that becomes something in the future for you. I mean, you seem to have moved from really exploring this notion of, of gender as something that will be released through uh, either a school or perhaps some writing or into almost kind of a group therapy element, which is well, distinctly... Well, it, it certainly has... Yeah, well, no, that's certainly a, a one of the logical and obvious applications. Mm. I mean, that's what you were talking about earlier, doing it with post-traumatic stress certainly, people. Certainly. You know? Yes. So clearly this yeah. has clinical psychological yeah. application. I guess, yeah, I guess it's the... It's the kind of sparring focused effort element. That the what? Really, well, the notion that... That you are working towards something, even if you don't really understand. Even if I don't know what it exactly. is, yes, right. You're yeah. at least working towards it. Well, my it. sense is I can feel. Yeah, you could say it's, I'm being drawn by some, you know, an, an attractor, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Heron. Well, I mean, yeah, I just have to make that up. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's it for me. I have to have some story for my life. Everybody's got to have a story. <laughs> I don't think that's, uh, that's... Yeah, anyway. anyway. So that's my story. I think it's a cool one. Yeah. I think we're going to have to call it a night, Heron. I've okay. Got to, uh, I've got to deconstruct this, and I've got a wide variety of other things that um, I've got to be thinking about, too. But it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been too long. And, yeah, I, a large part of it, my life's been unwell. I've had a lot of additional work, and... Aside from everything else, yeah, I've been coming home later, although thanks for... Oh, blah, 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 so I'll blah. So I'll try to make next week, Karen. That's what I'm saying. Uh, don't try. Just, <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear that. We'll talk the next time we talk, and it'll be just perfect. We will, Heron. Good night okay. to you. Take Good care. Good night.